All right, so we're starting at Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 16. Again, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, when the people of Israel were living in their own land, they defiled it by their conduct and their actions. Their conduct was like a woman's monthly uncleanness in my sight. So I poured out my wrath on them because they had shed blood in the land and because they had defiled it with their idols. I dispersed them among the nations and they were scattered through the countries. I judged them according to their conduct and their actions. And wherever they went among the nations, they profaned my holy name, for it, w- for it was said of them, These are the Lord's people, and yet they had to leave his land. I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel profaned among the nations when they had gone. Therefore say to the house of Israel, This is what the sovereign Lord says, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I show myself holy through you before their eyes. For I will take you out of the nations, I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean, I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You will live in the land I gave your forefathers and you will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanness. I will call from the grain and make it plentiful and will not bring famine upon you. I will increase the fruit of the trees and the crops of the field so that you will no longer suffer disgrace among the nations because of famine. Then you will remember your evil ways and wicked deeds and you will loathe yourselves for your sins and detestable practices. I want you to know that I am not doing this for your sake, declares the Sovereign Lord. Be ashamed and disgraced for your conduct, O house of Israel. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. On the day I cleanse you from all your sins, I will resettle your towns and the ruins will be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through it. They will say, this land that was laid waste has become like the Garden of Eden. The cities that were lying in the ruins, desolate and destroyed, are now fortified and, and inhabited. Then the nations around you that remain will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was destroyed and have replanted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Once again, I will yield to the plea of the house of Israel and do this for them. I will make their people as numerous as sheep, as numerous as the flocks for offerings at Jerusalem during her appointed feasts. So will the ruined cities be filled with the flocks of people. Then they will know that I am the Lord. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out, of the, out by, my, by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. And he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. 
This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the sovereign Lord says, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone, we are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says, O my people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. The second reading is from Romans 8, um, verses 5 to 17. It's on page 800 of your Bibles. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Good evening, friends. Uh, Welcome to church tonight. It is cold in here, isn't it? Um, I think the other week when the heater wasn't working, I was preaching and I could actually see my breath before me. It's freaky. It's 
good though, but you know, like at least I knew I was alive. That was kind of good. Um, <coughs> friends, tonight we uh, come to these beautiful passages as we keep going uh, in this text of Ezekiel, uh, this marvellous text, this kind of frightening text at various levels as well. Um, tonight we, we get a glimpse tonight at, you know those things that you go to where you just, you're standing there and you're kind of watching an event or someone do something in front of you and you kind of just realise, I couldn't do that. Like, I can't do that. I was at, um, does anyone know Idea of North? The singing, the a cappella group. I, uh, Joy Haig, who's a member of that at the moment, she comes to church here and she invited a few of us along to hear her sing along with the three other people in her group. And I was at this club that I've never been to before. I don't sort of tend to hang out in those sort of, you know, jazz kind of clubs, but there I was. And I was like, for, I don't know how long I sang, for two hours. I was just like, oh my goodness. That is unbelievable. The, the sound they were making, the, the, the way they kind of just made noise together was just unbelievable. Like, I, you know, I saw Joy. Like, John, this is nothing new to Joy. I said to Joy, that was unbelievable. Like, I was just like, I was just staggered by the ability of these four people together to make such noise. And there was just this point, utter humility, where I just said, if I was asked to sing in that group, it would be utterly awful. Like, I think I can sing, but they, what they did, I cannot do. Simply cannot do. What we see tonight God doing is something that you and I cannot do, but we get to see it. We get to be part of it, but we get to see God doing the most amazing things. And I hope tonight, as we look at Ezekiel chapter 37, as we see God doing just incredible thing, giving life to dead bones, that you'll just want to be part of it. You'll want to take the invitation to be involved in God's work. We can't really do it, but we can be part of it. Um, I hope we'll see that tonight. How about I pray uh, as we come before God's word tonight? Father, we pray that tonight as we think upon your word, Uh, As we open Ezekiel chapter 37 in front of us, Father, as we open the scriptures, Father, that you would open our lives. The Lord God, you would open our eyes to your amazing power. Father, for myself and for all of us here tonight where we actually doubt your ability to do what you claim to do, Father, renew our confidence in your ability and your infinite power. Lord, tonight may we not leave here unmoved by you, that we would not leave here tonight just again blown away by your amazing power. And may we just see that we can be part of your mission. And Father, I pray that through your word, by your spirit, you'd speak to us tonight for the glory of our risen Saviour, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can these bones live? Interesting how Nicolae, sort of, that was on her mind, Ezekiel 37. All, like for weeks now, this question has been on my mind. Can these bones live? Can these bones live? It's the question that is asked in our text, chapter 37. It's the question that Ezekiel's asked to respond to. Can these bones live? Can dead bones come back to life? I want to introduce you to some friends of mine. These are uh, Martin and Julie Field. Uh, Martin and Julie Field and their four kids 
uh, serving in, I've been waiting to say this all week, Cordoba uh, in Argentina. Uh, it's a big city in Argentina. It's a university city where lots of, you know, thousands and thousands of young university students, they're working with the Church Missionary Society, CMS, uh, preaching the gospel. Um, yeah, amazing work that they're doing. Uh, they've learnt the language, they've learnt Spanish, they're there telling students about Jesus. I met up, uh, Martin and Julie and the kids came back to Australia several months ago, got to have lunch with them, and I said to Martin, how's the work going? Like, what's happening over there? And he goes, oh, what's this great stuff happening? Uh, our Christian group on campus at the university that he's at, there's 20 of us, or thereabouts, week to week. We meet around God's word and people are, you know, a couple have become Christians and, you know, and he goes, you know, but we're only just scratching the surface. And I said, well, how many students are there? You know, how many students on campus? He goes, 65,000 students. 20 students in the group. 65,000 students. I think that represents about 0.0003% of the, church, of the population on campus. Can these bones live? Can these bones live? Martin sort of then said, actually, no, I'm barely even scratching the surface of the first surface and lots of stuff. He's just, you know, can these bones live? On the other hand, here's another friend of mine, Alfred. Uh, Alfred and his wife, Susan. Um, Alfred works at a theological college over in Uganda. Um, beautiful man. His wife's lovely, Susan. Alfred was out here doing a PhD at Moore College for the last few years. On any, any given day, when Alfred stands up to preach, and you he preaches like for three hours. Um, there are thousands of students there who hear him proclaim the gospel, who've come to the Lord Jesus Christ in humility and bowed the knee before Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. Can these bones live? Yes. Thousands of people flocking to the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know what percentage of the population of students on campus are converted at his particular college, but can these bones live? My friends, I was doing some number crunching uh, yesterday. Uh, it was uh, my day off, but I sort of got some census data, the 2011 census data. I sort of crunched some numbers for our sort of Kirribilli area and you know, the other side of the bridge, Lavender, May, McMahon's Point, Waverton. I think we're probably kind of hitting about 2% of the population who've come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Can these bones live? And that census data, it's not particularly accurate at times in terms of representative. But, yeah, can these bones live? I want to say yes, they can. Why do I want to say yes, they can? Because God can save people. We see in this passage God bringing dead, lifeless, dry bones back to life. And I want us to leave here encouraged that with the word of God, with the gospel, with our knees in prayer, we can see people come to know Jesus and have life. That's what I want to leave us with tonight. And my, two, my three points tonight are we see God's plan in action, we see God's promise fulfilled, and we see God's pursuit of his purpose. They're the three things we want to look at tonight. So come with me. We need this passage, brothers and sisters. We need this passage to spur us on to keep preaching about Jesus. Open up your Bibles if you've closed them. Uh, to Ezekiel chapter 37. Uh, we see God at the very beginning here declaring his plan. Uh, have a look with me. Verse 1. The hand of the Lord, verse 1, was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley. And it was a valley full 
of bones. The hand of the Spirit takes Ezekiel by his hand, by the Spirit of God. He's carried into this valley that's covered in bones. And then verse 2, Behold, he led me back and forth among them. I saw great, a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. You know, he kind of says, Ezekiel, stop, look, behold, look at this valley. And what does Ezekiel see? Many bones and the emphasis on very dry bones. And Ezekiel is astonished. A catastrophe has occurred. An army, the vision he has is an army that's been destroyed, it's been defeated, uh, they've been left unburied. They're cursed. Picked out by scavengers year after year after year, dry, and they have been a long time dead. End of story. Except, have a look at me, verse 3, verse 3. He asked me, son of man, here's the question that's been haunting me all week, can these bones live? Can these bones live? Son of man, son of Adam, human being, can these bones live? The, the right answer probably from his perspective is no. They're dry, they're dead, they're picked at. They're not going to get back to life again. But interesting, isn't it? Ezekiel answers with a level of maturity because he knows who God is. He's had the revelation of God's glory and power and all-seeing, all-knowingness in chapter 1, and so he answers with some maturity. Lord, you alone know. God has a plan in two parts. Have a look. He speaks the word of the Lord to these bones, verse 4. Verse 4. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones, speak to them and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And what is the word? Verse 5, this is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with with skin. I'll put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. You shall know that I am the Lord. Breath enter, verse 5 and verse 6. Flesh, skin, sinew. A new body is given to these dead, dry bones. And what's the result? So that you will know that I am the Lord. You will know who I am, the Lord. This is not just a biomechanical orthopedic surgery on kind of drugs. This is more. The point of this is that there will be a new understanding of who God is. And Ezekiel obeys, verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded. Who couldn't in light of who God is? And as I was prophesying, here is just, this is remarkable. As I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, I looked. Tendons, flesh appeared on them, skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. It's crazy to obey God, isn't it, if you don't know the God of the Bible? But his word is powerful. Created the world. He is the Lord. He carries out his plan. Sovereign purpose is achieved by God. He speaks that which God revealed to him, so does Ezekiel. Not his own words. Did you get that? Not his own words. He spoke the word of God to the bones. 
No breath in them, though. So verse 9 and 10, verse 9 and 10. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. And again, he, 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 he follows what God says. I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life, stood up on their feet. I loved how Rach Dale emphasized a vast army. Breath is used five times there for emphasis, verses 9 to 10. Breath in the Bible is translated here in many ways. It's ruach in the original. It means breath, spirit, wind. It's all the same. Commands the Spirit of God to give life to the slain. And so it is. They live and become an exceedingly great army. It's an amazing picture. And what we see here in action is life comes to dead bones through the preaching of God's word, the speaking of God's word, and by his spirit. It's the same paradigm that operates right back in creation, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. The dust, how is the dust animated? How do we become from the dust into being humans? We are animated from dust by the spirit. God speaks, the dust comes to life, the spirit enters us. Dry bones, same thing. Reforming from deadness, breathing into them. And it's interesting, in the context, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, God's law, explains why these people are dead. Why are these bones dead? Flick with me, if you you can, to uh, to Deuteronomy 28. Come with me to Deuteronomy 28. I love the flicking sound of Bible pages. It's really exciting. Deuteronomy 28, verse 15. Here's the reason why. You know, however, verse 15, if you don't obey what the Lord God commands you and do not carefully follow all the commands and decrees I am giving you this day, today, this is Moses speaking the word of God, all these curses will come upon you and they will overtake you. And jump down with me to verse 25 and 26. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You will come at them from one direction but flee from them in seven and you will become a thing of horror to all the kingdoms on the earth. Your carcasses will be food for all the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth and there will be no one to frighten them away. An unburied body, an unburied carcass, masses of them. This will happen to Israel if they fail to follow God and all his decrees. Do you see the link? With this in the background, drawing Ezekiel's attention to what God said would happen, it helps us understand what's going on in Ezekiel's vision. Verse 11 of chapter 37, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones... Come back with me, chapter 37... Uh, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. We are cut off. The whole house of Israel was exiled. 150 years earlier, the northern part of Israel was exiled to Assyria. Now we have these Israelites in exile years later in Babylon. The lament of the people in Ezekiel is, well, it's hopeless. 
cut off completely. No hope, no way out. No prospect of life, hopeless. But that's a wrong view. And God now starts to explain. He actually refers to them now as not bones just laid out in a valley, unburied, but in verse 12 he says, I will open your graves. The reference to graves indicates that there's been some kind of lifting of the curse. The curse back in Deuteronomy 28, now they've buried bones, but now they will be lifted out of their grave, raised from the graves. He's going to do something for them. He will give them new life. He will give them a new exodus from exile, a new resettlement of the land. Did you pick that up in the words? Most importantly, spiritual renewal. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 12, the second half. Why is he doing this? Why is God reforming bones? So that you will know that I am the Lord. Just what he promised in verse 6. There will be spiritual relationship between those who have been spiritually dead. They'll be brought back to life in relationship with God, the God of the world. And even more wonderful, did you catch it in verse 14 as it was read? God says, I will put my spirit in you. So here is God's plan to take dry, very dry, dead bones, dry because of sin, dry because of rebellion against God, dry because they're under the, the judgment of God, and he will do something new, reviving them with his very spirit, his spirit. New people, restored relationship, under God's blessing, empowered by the spirit to live for his glory. And the plan is signed off with God's own name and sealed with his unbreakable promise. The second point, God's promise. Verse 14, have a look at me. Verse 14. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. God fulfills his promise. God only declares his plans, but he fulfills his promise. We must, not be care- we must be careful not to remove the vision that Ezekiel gets from its original context. It was, why was it there? Why was this vision given to Ezekiel to communicate this to the people in exile? It was designed to be an enormous encouragement for those in exile in Ezekiel's day. Not to teach us about the doctrine of resurrection, but actually to give them hope of restoration, to re- the removal of curse and the certainty of a new start with God. So it isn't the general resurrection of the dead on the last day that we see happening here or prefigured in Ezekiel here. Rather, it's the renewal, the resuscitation of the people of Israel. That's what's going on. It begins with God's word of promise. Fulfillment in the decree of Cyrus, when we looked at that last week, where God, under, God, God brings Cyrus into the picture, the, the Persian kind of king, and under him, those in exile are allowed to resettle back to Jerusalem and go back to their homelands. And yet, there was only a very partial stage one fulfilment of this vision that God gave to Ezekiel. 
There is more here than simply the restoration of just the nation of Israel, them allowed to go back to Jerusalem and build a temple again. There's more going on here. For have a look with me at the promises made in Ezekiel 36. Did you hear these as they were read out? We're talking here about a much, much, much bigger salvation historical context. Have a look at me, verse 24 of chapter, tw- of chapter, ch- verse 24 of chapter 36. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. And goes beyond that. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I'll put in you. I will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You see, the dry bones that are pictured here are not a sign of the physical destruction of the nation. There were many Israelites still alive and living and some probably maybe slightly happy in Babylon. There were thousands of them. Rather, they were symbolic of the spiritual state of the nation. Their own view of its total hopelessness. Our bones are dried up, they said. Our hope is lost. We're cut off completely. And so the, the, the picture here is not primarily a physical thing. It's actually more about a spiritual being cut off. They knew themselves to be spiritually dead, cut off from the life-giving power and presence of God, even though they were physically alive. Cut off from the life-giving power of God, spiritually dead, even though physically alive. That's why they had no hope. And that, of course, is true of every human being. Chris Wright writes in his commentary, he says this, God's promise is like a rerun of creation. Israel have been called into existence, created as the nation, as the sons of Abraham, to be a blessing to all the nations on the earth, all of humanity. But their sin and their rebellion mirrored the fallen state of the whole human race. So when God offers restoration to these dry bones, he offers restoration to all dry bones and when the winds come from the four corners of the earth surely Ezekiel is showing us that from all over the world God will gather his people God will raise up his new creation not simply those who are sons of Abraham but those who are by faith in God sons of Abraham a new relationship And the fulfillment, of course, came when the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. For if it is by the word of God that God raises the dead to life, then we are to see as New Testament Christians a foretaste here of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus. Jesus the Christ, God's anointed king, the one who is in himself, the new Israel the one who suffered and died for our sin and who was raised by God's mighty power to an endless life of victory and rule. And the mighty event 
led that mighty event, the event of Christ coming into the world, God himself enfleshed in the Lord Jesus Christ. From his death, his resurrection, came his Holy Spirit that he sent to all who would believe in him. Poured out into his disciples at the day of Pentecost. A Christ who died for sins in order that we might be cleansed. A Christ who rose from the dead to an endless life that we might obtain eternal life. Gave his spirit to his people as a guarantee, a proof that we already share in the inheritance that is to come. Spirit does actually live within us as in fulfillment of these promises in Ezekiel 37. I will put my spirit in you, and what will it do? And you will live. Can these dry bones live? Through the preaching of the word, by the spirit indwelling, yes, they can. And so God fulfills his promises. The power of sin has been broken for the new Israel, the church that is in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ Jesus, the power of sin has been broken in your life. and You are alive again. So we who were dead bones, I was dead bones until about 11 years ago. The Lord spoke to me through the gospel and I came alive by his spirit. sting of death has been overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit. We all should cry out, Alleluia. These dead bones are alive again by the word of God and by his spirit. Listen to Romans chapter 8, verse 11. The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give to your mortal bodies through the spirit who lives in you. will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Ever since the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach of God, is at work all over the world bringing life-giving power to dead souls. And with it, just the guarantee of resurrection of the body and life everlasting. Alyssa, as she spoke about Nepal, I've been praying for Nepal for years. Seeing God not seemingly answering prayers to save people, but people are coming to the Lord Jesus Christ in their thousands. I pray for Martin and Julie as they seek to hold out the word of life to dying, dead, not dying, dead bones in Argentina, Cordoba. Did you get that? Dying bones, dead bones, very dry. But God is at work all over the world. Friends, right now God is saving people. Right now, God is drawing people to himself through the preaching of the gospel by his spirit, empowering that word. And here's the spin-off for us. I hope and pray that as a result of hearing this word tonight from Ezekiel, that you have a renewed conviction of the God who reveals his plans. I will 
Send my spirit. These bones will live and they come and they form an army. And I hope you've been convicted, secondly, that his promises are promises that he makes and he keeps. And thirdly, he is a God who pursues his purposes. He pursues his purposes. One of the reasons we need to hear the Bible taught regularly here at church and personally in our quiet times is because our thinking needs to be biblical, not cultural. When you look around in our day, it's very easy to be despondent like Ezekiel's hearers. A little bit like our sister Nicola when she started praying through Ezekiel 37 and it's going, what's, what's going on? Like, why aren't you acting, God? I don't see this coming to life. Friends, because in Sydney at this time, we Christians are not an exceedingly great army. Often we appear to be and often we feel that we're simply a valley of dry bones. At least I feel like that. We need to be kind of realistic about that. The tide of secularism carries more and more weight and we seem comparatively more and more powerless, unable to kind of compete with them, unable to remedy the situation. Can these bones live? Can the bones of people in Kirribilli, can the bones of people in Lavender Bay, McMahon's Point, Waverton, can they live? I think our problem, brothers and sisters, I include myself in this, I think we have such a tiny, undeveloped, or underdeveloped understanding of God's true power. We don't really know the power of his word. And we all too often, we're not believing in the power of his Holy Spirit. We're often so sometimes lethargic as Christians. We expect so little from God. Or if we're not lethargic, many of us are just completely overworked and we're burnt out and we sort of just can't get to sharing the word. But either way, if we start to judge by what we see, by what we hear, what people say in the media, what people say at the school gate, in the office, on the train, we'll begin to feel the weight of that question. Can these bones live? Let me ask you honestly, can you imagine things being any different in Sydney? I mean spiritually different. An army of spiritually alive Christians crossing the city, penetrating the dark valleys of our city with the gospel. If you're like me, probably you would say yes on good days, but no on your bad days. We might say, well, it's all in God's hands. That's absolutely right. This is a God who has revealed his plans, who has revealed his promises. And therefore, as we look at our generation and we are rightly challenged by the huge mountain that there is to climb, what should we do? Prophesy to the dead bones. Prophesy to the dead bones. Speak the gospel to the dead bones. It's the preaching of God's word that brings the dead to life. By preaching, I don't just mean, you know, you there and me here, this kind of preaching. 
I mean, we need to teach and preach the word to ourselves and do everything we can, humanly possible, to pass it on to others. Coupled with a deep dependence on the Holy Spirit, crying out to him that he would send the breath of life into the dead bones. It's one thing to preach the word, but do I cry out to God that he would raise the spiritually dead? Are we doing that? The Spirit of God would use, that the Spirit of God would use the word of God to innovate dead, dry, lifeless bones. Prayer ultimately is the end of self-confidence, isn't it? Casting ourselves onto the hand, into the hands of God. Not trusting in our programs, our orthodoxy, our various bits and pieces. It's actually just saying, God, please save these dread, dry bones and give me opportunity to speak the word into these people's lives. If you think that those members of your family, those colleagues at work, those neighbours, the shopkeeper, the mate that you play rugby with, friends you've prayed for and sought to share Christ with over the years. I speak to you tonight. I think I I feel this. Often I feel like I'm completely ineffective. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. If you think about those people as dry bones, spiritually dead, cut off from God, it's got to throw you onto your knees. And ask God that he would, by his spirit, save those people. Use you in it. Do we actually cry out to God for the breath of his spirit and hope in the Lord himself? The God who is powerful to raise the dead to life. God has fulfilled his promises. His plan has been enacted. He has fulfilled his promises. The Lord Jesus Christ has come. His spirit has come. What do we have to do now? Share the gospel. We've got the gospel, the word of God. We've got knees. I've got two knees. Most of you guys I know have got two knees. Some of them might be a little bit older and crumblier than others, but we've got two knees. Let us use our knees. Get down on our knees and pray that God would save this suburb, these suburbs, this city, and do a mighty, powerful act, trusting in God's character so that people would know that God is the Lord. Call upon God to do his work. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves and I will put my spirit within you. You shall live and I will place you in your own land. This has been fulfilled. We don't have to wait anymore. We ought not to wait. We have the Bible. We've got the word of God. We have our needs. Therefore, people can have life. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we just take the time now as we sit Uh, to lay before you the names of those people whom we love, the names of those people who we work with, 
And we lay them before you tonight, Lord God. And ask that you would provide us with opportunities to speak the gospel. We pray that by your powerful Holy Spirit, you would save these people. And Father, we pray that tonight we would come away from our hearing of your word. You speak to us tonight. We would be reminded of your power. Lord God, we'd be reminded of your love for people, your desire that people would not be dead but alive in Christ. And so, Father, we pray for Kirribilli, we pray for Lavender Bay. We pray for McMahon's Point, for Waverton. And Lord God, we ask that you would send out your word into these places and with your spirit save people. For they are cut off, lifeless, the walking dead. So please, Lord God, by your grace and in your power, save many your glory, that people would know that you are the Lord. And use us, I pray, my brothers and sisters here tonight, and myself, to share the word of God. And we pray all these things in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.